Welcome to the Soul Stories podcast series with Michelle Ann, where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories. Grab a cuppa and join me in a heart-filling journey of self-discovery, where my guests will share how they overcame adversity, embraced their spirituality, and allowed their true light to shine. Looking for inspiration, guidance, and tips to find your true passion and purpose? You are definitely in the right spot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fourth episode of this Soul Stories podcast series. I'm your host, Michelle Ann, and today I am so goddamn excited to introduce you to my guest, aka slash friend, the amazing Emily Shine. Um, Emily and I, I feel like we've known each other for like 400 million years, but we were just discussing um, how long we'd actually known each other for and we came up with only about three, maybe three and a half years at the max. Is that correct, Emily? Yeah, I'd say so. Time (laughs) flies. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing when you meet someone and um, just connect at a soul level and the minute we met each other, we just... I don't know about Emily because actually she didn't remember me when we first met, but I remembered her. I remember looking at Emily. I was at a um, a daycare, uh, like a family market thing, and she walked up to my stall and started talking to me. And within about two minutes, I'm like, I'm going to be this girl's friend <laughs> instantly. <laughs> she was just really cool. She was really, she smelled of essential oils. She was a true hippie just like me. And we absolutely connected instantly and um, never looked back since. So I'll let Emily tell you a little bit about herself, but um, from my perspective, she's an amazing healer, a spiritual slash life coach, I suppose you would say. She's a kinesiologist. She's literally the guru. I call her my mentor, even though she's my friend, because she's really helped me along my journey like massively. So if you've listened to the first episode of my Soul Stories podcast, you'll hear Emily got a mention in there because she was pivotal in my journey of going from basically living that nine to five crazy job to where I am now with my business because when I met Emily I didn't even really have a business and she really helped me with the kinesiology and her spiritual um, coaching course to get me out of that rut and get me confident and I think there's deeper things well there's definitely deeper things going on like got me confident but Emily worked at a deeper level with the kinesiology side of things to really get me to um step into my power, I suppose you would say. So, but I'll let Emily introduce herself and you can tell us a little bit about what you do now. And then we'll dig a bit deeper into where you've come from Mm -hmm. and um, how you got where you are now, because I'm just, your story, Emily's gonna, is, well, is going to write a, is writing a book basically. That's still happening, Emily? It is, it is. Um, Yeah, I guess when we talk about the story a little bit more, your listeners will understand as to why that might be on hold a little bit because it's very extremely, um, you know, vulnerable to to put that out into the world. So it's uh, it's a bit of a process to really come to a place of acceptance to be able to share that in text form. It's so (laughs) So huge. I mean, even doing these podcasts, I realise are quite vulnerable for people because I'm asking some pretty deep questions and I'm asking people to share about where they've come from, which also involves usually a lot of pain, a lot of trauma and other people. Oh, I've got goosebumps. So it it involves, it's not just you, it's, it's a whole story that involves others. So I understand um, it's a bit, 
it's a bit scary to put yourself out there and writing a book's even more full on because it's it's in paper it's it's hard copy it's out there forever that's it it. and you know like uh, you hit the nail on the head when it comes to sharing about myself and my story I've definitely shifted past that place of fear with that I'm I'm more than happy to speak about it and talk about it with anybody but it's the sharing other people's stories that are involved or entangled in mine that is the scary part because I think a lot of us can resonate with the not wanting to upset others and not wanting to hurt others or accidentally you know speak in a way that affects other people's lives so that's definitely the hold when it comes to putting this book out but there's also a trust in knowing that that will unfold and that will come out exactly when it's meant to come out and there's obviously more to be written within that story um, before it starts to you know take on whatever its journey is into the world and whoever needs to read it um a few people have read the uh, read the start of it Michelle being one of them a few of my close friends and um yeah it's just getting it's getting it getting it to feel right and getting the timing right as well yeah I can't wait till it comes out because your story is absolutely amazing and I'm so excited that the listeners get to get even a little bit today in what you tell us because everything you say, you probably think it's quite normal now because it's been your whole life. But I'm like, what? That happened? Or you came from that? What? That like the, It's just crazy. So yeah, I'm excited to hear where you've come from. But we'll start with where you are now. So basically, just want to tell everybody basically what your life looks like now, um, yeah. what you do every day, like sort of what your daily, what you do sure. every day pretty much. So yeah, so by trade, um, I'm a kinesiologist. I actually started as an intuitive. So um, before I studied kinesiology, I was, uh, you know, working with reading cards and I started doing that when I was um, 11. 11, of course <laughs> um, you <yes>. did. <laughs> I was 11 when I got my first deck of cards and I was 19 when I first started doing that professionally. And um, at the same time, I was very entangled in holistic health and nutrition. I had a lot of health problems growing up and conventional medicine didn't really assist me in those areas. So I remember being really, really sick and um, had been sick for quite some time. And, and my mum ended up kind of just, you know, beating her head against a brick wall going, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help you. And she took me to a naturopath. And within like, you know, a few weeks of working with a naturopath, I was on the mend. And this is after months and months and months of being really, really unwell. So I grew up understanding that non-conventional or holistic medicine was really beneficial. So as I was working in my intuitive business, I was also working within pharmacies and I was managing pharmacies um, by the time I was 18 as well. And my area of love and, and passion was definitely the natural medicine side of pharmacies, which sounds like a complete contradiction. But when you walk into a pharmacy, you don't just get the drugs, you get a massive wall of vitamins. So I was learning from, you know, all of the different companies, Blackmore's and Nature's Own and, and going and doing their courses and just, you know, sponging up as much as I could of the information as to why and how these nutritional medicines work. Um, I also worked for a chiropractor, which was really, really interesting because that taught me how to um, understand the nervous system of the body and how everything is interconnected. So, um, you know, I mean, I'll talk about, you know, how I got here in a little while, but I was struggling a lot with some anxiety issues. And uh, one day a lady came along and and, um, told me a little bit about kinesiology and she did some on me and I loved it. And so it just kind of fit everything together for me. So yeah, I studied kinesiology. So now I still do a little bit of intuitive work, um, but I really, really focus on, you know, 12 years later, um, working with clients on a one-on-one basis from a kinesiology perspective. 
I do a um, coaching program, which is called Chakra Awakenings, which Michelle was talking That's about the one as I do. well. I can never remember the name of it. I just know it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so the Chakra, is, Chakra Awakening program. That's a, yeah. is it eight weeks? It, it's, um, it's, it's eight sessions, but we usually take that over a two-week period in between each um, session because there's a massive integration that happens between each session. So when you think about coaching programs, you think about going and talking about, you know, what's going on in your life and really having someone to soundboard and nut things out with. And, and that's so, so beneficial. And I myself really benefit from that as well. And Chakra Awakenings is like that, where you get to come and you get to sort of speak to what's kind of blocking you or what's coming up in your life. But then we take it to that next level where we put you on the table and we go into, you know, deep into your chakra system and find out why that block, why that blockage is there and start to scoop things out. We start to, you know, peel off the onion layers that have kind of built up over your lifetime. And it's extremely intense. I, you know, I always give a warning label to people when they take that on. I'm like, this is not, you know, <laughs> this is not fluffy. This is going to change your life. <laughs> it's not. Um, and, you know, I went through it myself, like I, I had this program done for me as well. And, you know, a lot of things fell, fell away in that time. And, um, and that's, you know, probably why I am the person that I am today is because I got to, you know, really shift through a lot of the stuff that I was holding on to. So I do that. And I've also stepped into teaching, which I'm so, so, so obsessed with. Um, Michelle's just done my course in divine energetics and yes. become a divine energetics practitioner and divine energetics is uh, incorporating 10 different modalities that I've learned over, you know, over my time in this industry um, into, you know, a hybrid modality, which allows muscle testing, which is what we use in kinesiology to access and utilize all of these different modalities. And I really am passionate about that because I have a really strong belief that we can go through our whole lives and sponge up all this information, but what's what's the point of having all this information if we can't pass it on to the world? So um, yeah, I, I teach and that's definitely my number one area of um, wanting to really focus with, with where I'm at in a business is to start you know, teaching on a deeper level. Um, and I'm also about to finish my yoga instructor oh, training. I know that is yeah. so exciting. I'm obsessed with yoga at the moment. Me I just, too. Oh, and I keep, I've just realized that I've invited a lot of people to come and be interviewed and I've realized that half the people I've invited are actually yoga instructors yeah, and it's you now too. So we need it. We need, we need that ability to reconnect with our bodies. Like that's what really led me into wanting to do it is that, I was so disconnected from myself because I was just putting my energy out into everybody and everything around me and just getting lost and, and, you know, helping others and, and being all the things that we expect ourselves to be. And I remember it was at our not retreat, which uh, Michelle <laughs> came along to, we call it a not retreat because when COVID first hit, um, we had a retreat space that was booked just over the border and um, you were allowed to go over the border, but they were sort of saying, oh, you know, it's just for non-essential travel, or sorry, just essential travel or something like that. So you need, you need your border pass and all the rest of it. And everyone was still going over there that was living close to the border. It was no big deal. But I couldn't really put my business to that. So I had this retreat space and I'm like, okay, whoever wants to just come along and just, you know, as a girl, girls weekend. And um, it's just, it's up to you to, you know, be responsible for what you do and don't do. And if you want to risk it, that's up to you. And so we just used this retreat space for a not retreat. And it was really lovely because it gave me a chance to set back step back a little bit and not be facilitating and not be, you know, leading and, and putting my energy out into everybody else. It actually gave me a chance to put my energy back into myself and 
beautiful Jessie Moss, one of the most incredible yoga instructors I have ever come across in my life. Big shout out to her. She's just you. She's on my list too. <laughs> oh, you stand in front of this woman and it's like her energy radiates grounding. Like it's just like, yeah. <laughs> um she she did a yoga session with us there and I remember the feeling of coming home to a dirty house it was like I dropped back into my body and I was like whoa like I have really neglected you and I'm so disconnected and it brought me to tears and I knew in that moment that this is my next step I need to be able to you know do this facilitator training not just for you know being able to help others with yoga but to really like cement in for myself this practice Mm, that's so interesting how everything just happens the synchronicities the the fact that all that happened the way it happened and it dropped you straight into it like that's amazing and now you're going to be teaching yeah eventually yep I'll be able to I mean I've already sort of started taking a few little classes through um just sort of the more yin based or restorative based stuff which is really where I like to focus anyway I'm not much for the really hardcore vinyasa it's not my bag (laughs) it's pretty full on it is full on. I mean, I can I can do it every now and again, but it's um it's definitely more intriguing to me to just really slow down and connect with your body. That's why I that's why I enjoy it, and that's where I foresee myself kind of going with my facilitation of it as well. Yeah. So yeah, you're just a woman of many many talents, and you're always picking up bits along the way. Every time you need something done, Emily's the woman because she's just this one that has. In, and talents, not just in the spirituality world, but like your graphic design, your photography, or if you've got a real creative streak going on there, it just, just amazes me every day. Like I think, how how do you even know how to do that? And, and you're really good at it. So I'm really, I really get bored. <laughs> I get bored really bored. easily and then I have to find something else to do. I'm like, I'm bored of that. I've done that for a bit. What else can I do? She's like modest. Everything, she, everything you touch turns to gold. It's amazing. Um, I think I've just undiagnosed ADD, to be honest. <laughs> Now the truth comes out. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What I'm really keen to hear about is how one starts reading cards at 11 years old. When you first get it, how how did that happen? Like that's not, well, it's normal to you and it's probably normal to a lot of people, but (laughs) for like the mainstream person that's listening to this, including myself, because, you know, I didn't really get fall into my sort of spirituality till when I sort of met you really in my 40s. So how did that happen? Well, it was safe for me because my family comes from a long line of, you know, being very um, open and aware of spirituality from that particular sense. So um, my grandfather was a a hypnotherapist and a past life regression therapist, and this is before Google existed. So, you know, that is probably one of my biggest claims to fame I will ever have is to be able to toot his horn and say that he was doing this work before it was common knowledge, before it was something that was you know, um, able to be Googled, like he was curing people's phobias and it was just incredible. They did this massive 2020 expose on him, which is um, 2020 in New Zealand. I grew up in New Zealand is like 60 minutes. And they were showing people who were so afraid of heights that they couldn't even step on step ladders. And they, he was doing, you know, past life regression therapy with them and clearing their phobias. And they were jumping off the sky tower in Auckland, which for those of you who don't know how tall that tower is, it's very, very, very tall. And, you know, you see things like that on TV and you go, oh, that's just smoke and mirrors. It's just for entertainment sakes. But he was my granddad. I knew that, you know, like I knew that firsthand that everything that they were talking about was true because I'd seen these people and talked to these people. So, um, you know, I, I grew up before, as I said, before social media, before um 
you know, the internet was sort of offering this space for the conversations to be had. I grew up in a space where it was really accepted to have them. So I remember, you know, early early on in my life, my mum taking us to what she used to call the gypsy fairs, which are just like, you know, your crystals and um, your crystal expos and your mind, body, spirit um, expos that we have these days. We used to have little ones of those when we were little, when I was small, called gypsy fairs. And we used to go to those all the time and I just loved it. And my mum was really into reading and she's pretty intuitive in her own right. And uh, yeah, she was the one that gave me my first deck of cards when I was 11 and I just talked to it like a duck to water and I just really loved it. And I was always called upon from my family members to do readings for them and I just accepted. And so as I sort of grew, I could see that there was a space for these modalities to really help others and um, I started doing it just on the side at 19 as a, a part of my profession and it, and it really helped me and it really helped the people that I was associating with at the, at the time so that's yeah that's how I really got it. I was born into it really yeah it was so in was your blood lucky I was lucky to be able to have a safe space which is not common back then but it's really 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 beautiful that it's super common these days because to give a, a deck of cards to an 11 year old these days is no big deal everyone would do that like pretty much yeah, it is <laughs> I gave my daughter her first deck at five so exactly it's, just, it's more and more common she does crystal her whole room the other day was full of crystals and cards and she's doing healings on her sister and saying you are love you are power you are grace and I was like whoa because they yeah, just make everything you do it's, they do and and that's the thing like that is the shift of the planet and we can see it in black and white right in front of us when we see these kids doing these things because they've had the you know there's there's a thing around nature and nurture so you can be born with a certain type of you know aspect within your nature so you're going to gravitate towards certain things because of who you are as a person but then you also need nurture which is the environment to make that safe so we're offering that to these kids these days which is awesome and that's why we're going to see an abundance of light workers you know continue to be um you know, introduced to this world so beautiful so you never had a real like spiritual awakening as such like people like me that came in later in life but was there any sort of time in your life where you found it really dropped in for you or was it just a gradual process yeah no definitely I I think that we have spiritual awakenings consistently throughout our life like we think we're at that space where we're like okay yep we've had our awakening and then bang something else hits us and we awaken again and we awaken again and we awaken again so there's been multiple times where I've gone through those sort of awakening processes and and I want to say the word up leveling but that doesn't mean um it doesn't want to, I don't want to connect that to any connotation of being in a hierarchical perspective perspective where you're you're you know in a higher level than anyone else the up leveling happens within yourself like you become a better version of you and more you know understanding version of you and that has happened multiple times for me and it, and it usually has come off the back of highly traumatic experiences highly traumatic um, times in my life or the times in my life where I've been the most challenged as well so um, you know with with my background there was a lot of pain there was a lot of trauma and for a long time there I was only living half of my life because of the fear and the instability that that created for me but you know in this in the sense when I hit really hit rock bottom that was where I was like well this is rock bottom and I'm still here and that really triggers like an enlightenment process because you actually you lean into surrendering a little bit more because you realize no matter how hard you clutch, because boy, did I clutch. I was mm -hmm. so anxious about life. I was just 
And anxiety often shows up as control. Like you want to control everything mm-hmm. around you. You want to control your environment. You want to control what happens next because you're petrified that something is not going to go right. So you mm-hmm. clutch and you clutch and you clutch. And when you lose everything, even though you've been clutching, it's like it's almost a relief because you're like, oh, well, no matter how much I clutch, <laughs> things can all go sideways. So I guess I'll stop clutching and I'll just start surrendering. So, you know, that the biggest the biggest part of that for me was uh, when I separated from my ex-husband and that was um, going on six, seven years ago. So I was already doing, you know, all of this work and I had done a lot of healing within myself, but, you know, my, uh, my need to please others had really led me to burnout big time. Mm. And I was in a very emotionally manipulative relationship, a very controlling um, relationship and, that you know put me into fight or flight all the time so eventually I had a full-on nervous breakdown so I I literally just my whole body physically mentally everything just broke down my marriage broke down at the same time I lost my home I lost my kids because I couldn't look after them at the time Um, I didn't lose my kids legally but I lost my ability to care for my children at that time like I had to go back and live with my mom and let my mom nurse me like a little kid again and until I could stand on my own two feet and it was the most horrific time of my life and I've been through way worse things on paper but mm. this was the thing that felt the worst because I lost myself in that moment and and no matter what people do to you or around you as long as you've got your own center you can get through it but when you lose your own center that is where you know you really that that's the scariest moment and so to look back on that it's it, it's definitely was the worst time of my life but it was the best thing that ever happened to me because mm. I actually learned who I was and I stopped living from this place of needing to burn out and living from this place of, of having to try and please other people or make myself into somebody that was enough for somebody else. And I really started to build this, this unwavering strength in my own character. And so I slowly started to build myself up to being, you know, the best version of me that I could be. And yeah, it was about to two and a half years later, I met my now soon to be husband and I have the most healthy, beautiful relationship that I could have ever imagined I would ever have. I never even saw relationships like that growing up. And I have this beautiful business and I have the most incredible friends and, you know, life. I think, I think that in telling my story in full and when this book comes out, um, I really hope to speak to people who are still stuck in their victim and that's not supposed to be a an insult it's just a truth it's what happens when we're in a space of you know darkness when things have happened to us over and over and over again it's really easy to get into a place of victim where it's like oh, you know no matter how hard I try this is going to happen or why is this always happening to me or why did that happen to me and or I'm afraid that that is going to happen to me that's the victim mindset actually speaking to us and and or you don't know what it's like because you haven't been through what I've been through is another big thing and to hear someone who's been through you know similar situations or 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 just you know whatever something that you can relate to come out the other side and go you know what nothing that happened to you is your fault but it's your responsibility to change that and if you do then you can have the life that you want and that's the whole reason why I advocate you know, talking about our stories, our past, because we don't have to, you know, be that version of ourselves anymore. We don't have to make that, you know, identify that with that anymore. But in sharing 
our past and showing up as who we are now, then we give other people hope and understanding that they have a lot more power than what they're giving themselves credit for, for creating the life that they want to live. That's huge. That is huge because so many people look from the outside to people like you, including myself and think she's got the perfect life. When I first met you, I didn't even know you had children because I only saw you as a, like a client practitioner and I never saw kids around obviously, because obviously you were working. So I thought, She's young. She's beautiful. She's just got all the shit together. She's got this amazing talent. She's, um, you know, she's got this beautiful, easy life. And, and people are probably thinking, oh, what would she know about trauma or, or pain? And to hear your story, like it's, it's going to inspire others to think, oh, okay, look at Emily now versus like what you were in the bottom of the barrel. Like you were rock bottom, as you said, where you just gave up, surrendered and said, I can't do anything more. So people out there will be probably shocked to even hear your story because they don't look at you like that. They look at you as this amazing, you know, healer, mentor, coach sort of person. So I think it's really important, as you said, to get your story out there. And I'd love to hear a bit more about the anxiety side of things because I was shocked when I heard that about you, like, and you were telling me how you couldn't even drive up the highway. Like it was debilitating for you. And again, I don't think people would realise that about you and what people that are in anxiety maybe thinks that nobody else understands what they're going through. So do you want to tell us a bit about how you were feeling then? Yeah, sure. I guess um, it's important to establish a foundation as to why the anxiety was so severe for me and in, in, in the first place. And and that sort of starts at the beginning, I suppose. And, and, and that's that, you know, when I was about three years old, I was the victim of sexual assault um, from a member of my family. Mm. And in in coming home and speaking about that as a three-year-old, so for those of you who are out there who know three-year-olds, we're not super articulate about, you know, being able to express what happens to us and, um, you know, what things mean because we don't quite understand. But, um, you know, I, I did understand and I, I knew exactly what had happened for some strange reason I must have been you know, very onto it as a three-year-old. But, you know, going through a, a, a system of not only dealing with, um, you know, the insafety of someone I trusted taking advantage of me, but also the insafety of then having to articulate that to other people within my family who some of them did believe me, some of them didn't believe me, and then, you know, being pulled through the court system and having to speak to police officers and things like that, it was an extreme case of did I do the right thing this is all my fault Um, everyone's upset because I said something and at three you just don't understand that so it established you know a very strong sense of watch what you say and don't always speak up and um, you know make sure everybody else is okay before you worry about yourself and Mm. that's where that in safety really I think uh, just started to develop for me and then as I grew because of what had happened to me people put me in a bubble. They were like, you know, this little girl, she's broken and damaged because this happened. So we, you know, we can't, we can't, uh, you know, let her be naked in front of anyone or be mm. naked in front of anybody. That was a big thing, you know, like at three, you don't care. You run around the, like my kids run around the backyard, yeah. you know, in, completely in the nutty, having fun. That's what kids can do. But that was not an option for me. Everyone put me in a bubble. So when you put a child in a bubble, you're essentially passing on that uh, energy of, um, you need to be scared of something. You yeah, need to well, be afraid of, of the world. Mm-hmm. It's not safe. Yeah. So there was that. And, um, and then I grew up in a household with, uh, you know, um, somebody like a pe- one of my parents without sort of 
calling them out. One of my parents being heavily dependent on alcohol, um, borderline alcoholic, and another one being super abusive. And so there was always, you know, tumultuous things going on in my household. There was lots of throwing of things and people being, you know, knocked into fireplaces and all sorts of horrific things happening. So I was always in fight or flight because I didn't know what was going to happen next. And I had other siblings, but my siblings always found refuge somewhere else. I was the youngest. So I was always the one that had to kind of piece everything back together. So that fight or flight sort of lived throughout, you know, most of my um, child childhood. And then as I came into my teenage years, I actually um, started a relationship of my own when I was about uh, 14, 15. I remember this boy that I was dating for a couple of years moved in with me on my 16th birthday because I, I came to my mom and I said, you know, he was a troubled guy and he didn't have anywhere to go. And I said that I was going to move out with him. And at 16, I was allowed to do that. And she said, no, you, he has to move in here. So at least I can keep an eye on both of you. So she did the right thing. Um, but what she didn't know is that he was highly abusive. And so there was a lot of sexual abuse. There was a lot of physical abuse, emotional abuse going on. And at 16, your brain is not developed, you know, to a place where you can deal with that in a logical manner. Often women of abuse, even in their adulthood, they they think it's their fault because that's how domestic violence often plays out. So I was in this relationship with this person who I thought I loved so much and he was beating me every day and I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. So basically what happens is when you're really stressed, your gut health starts to go out the window because your brain and your gut are very connected. Mm -hmm. So I started to develop some really bad digestive issues. So I couldn't keep food down, um, you know, not to share too much information, but anything I ate came out the exact same way it went in because mm. there was no digestive flora. There was no lining in my stomach. It was horrific. Um, I'm the same height today as what I was back then um, at 16. And I weigh, you know, about 70 kilos. But to look at me, you wouldn't think I'm a big person. I'm, you know, pretty slim. Um, and being the same height, I was 45 kilos. So wow. I was a waif. Um, I remember going to the hospital and them turning me away and saying, if I don't voluntarily eat something that they would have to admit me and treat me for anorexia. And I was not, I did not have an eating disorder. I literally couldn't eat anything without having a massive reaction because my gut health was so bad. And this was, this was the long line of doctors that we were seeing when mom ended up taking me to a naturopath to get some help. But really what started that was the, was the situation I was in with the high amount of stress. And it was long-term stress because even though it had really been triggered through this really you know violent and um, domestic violence situation that I was in which my mum had no idea I was going through no one had any idea I was going through because it happened behind closed doors um that is where I started to develop extreme anxiety because the gut brain connection it 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 just kind of connects in with each other and so I was really triggered with this anxiety disorder <clears throat> so um, I ended up with agoraphobia. So agoraphobia means fear of leaving the house. And I didn't leave my house for at all for 12 months. I stayed inside for 12 months when I was 16. I had to drop out of school and I was doing a course that I was um, really interested in at the time. And I had to drop out of that. And I remember looking out the window going, I wish I could just be a participant wow. in my life. I wish I could just be like those kids that are walking down the street and just enjoy my life. But I couldn't even go to my letterbox. I was so afraid that if I left my house, I think a part of it was um, 
being too far away from my bathroom because I was just so ill um, and I didn't want to be embarrassed if I needed my bathroom for whatever reason. Um, but then it was just also just the fear kind of accumulated from that point where I just was just afraid of the outside world and whatever that, you know, sort of meant. And, um, yeah, so I obviously did start to recover a little bit from that step by step. There was, you know, a, a, a big part to play and that was my son's father who at, when I met him, I was basically a shell of a person, but I had managed to get out of the house, not far, but I had managed to get out of the, out of the house and I met him at a fish and chip shop um, of all places. Um, so he really, he gave me the safety to start stepping further and further out of my comfort zone, but I was still an anxious mess. And I battled with this anxiety disorder until I was about 26. Yeah, about 26, I'd say. So it really was until I had... Um, broken up with my ex-husband that I was still really suffering with anxiety but in a way that I could still function in society mm. we call it treading water so those of you who suffer with anxiety know that we can kind of put it out of our minds a little bit and just kind of avoid certain situations that would trigger us so for me highways I didn't like to drive on highways so I just wouldn't drive on highways <laughs> um, going too far away from my home going overseas anything like that I just avoided so uh, no one had any idea that I would suffer from those sorts of things apart from those who were really close to me and those who were really close to me didn't understand so I was just they were just really frustrated if anything um, so I had had been working a lot with kinesiology so uh, that's the reason why I got into kinesiology is because um you know this lady that I met through a mother's group uh she started working with me um using kinesiology and it did it really took me leaps and bounds out of my shell when it came to kinesio uh my anxiety but the real turning point for me was when like I said earlier everything fell away and I just realized that no matter how much I gripped to something it was never going to necessarily be in my control and so thus I sort of surrendered fully and that's where I really started to move forward from that anxiety disorder which is all you know pretty heavy stuff and I've skimmed past a lot of things because I you know I'm wary of the time and you know um, the relevance as well but I think that what I love so much about being able to tell these stories is that I don't tell these stories from a place of feeling triggered by them anymore I tell these stories from a place of really feeling so empowered as to how far I have come and being able to again be that hope for people who may be just feeling like there is no light at the end of the tunnel because that's how anxiety feels it feels like you're living there and there's nothing you can do to change the way that you are because Mm. you know I spent probably the better part of what 10 years trying to get out of that hole and I couldn't like nothing I tried got me out of that hole and so I thought that I just had to live like that and it's just not the case like it doesn't matter how how long you've been in the hole there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it's just figuring out for yourself how to sort of get there and allowing other people around you to help and maybe not always taking the most conventional route as well if the conventional routes haven't worked for you in the past that is because sometimes they can but if they haven't worked for you, then look outside of the box, go and try something that's a little bit more alternative. And then also just remembering, you know, this, what helped me the most was remembering that we're not actually in control at all. So as much as that sounds scary, it actually helped because no matter how hard you clutch, anything can happen. And we just got to live for this moment, really. Oh, I just love your story. I mean, I know I've heard it before, but I just, I could listen to it all day. It's like mind boggling because it really wasn't that long ago because you're young, man. I keep forgetting, like, 
I'm I'm nearly 44. And how old are you now, Emily? 31. 31. This woman's 31. Like all this has happened within that that small time frame. And you were in the thick of it at you said 26. That's not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's I was amazing. I was in the thick of it. I um I met my son's father, as I said, um, you know, I was about 17 when I met him. Um, after I finally dismantled the relationship with this past abusive fellow. Um, and you know, he was great, he was lovely and all of the things. And then he ended up having his own demons and fell into drugs mm. earlier on and he was, um, you know, into some really bad drugs too. So you stop dating the person and you start dating the drug. And that was in itself, it was really, really, really difficult to have your one place of safety feel completely unsafe. And um, so, you know, I, I felt pregnant really young. I was 20 when I fell pregnant with Byron and I wasn't expecting to because I had so many fertility issues. I had polycystic ovaries, endometriosis. And of course, when you look at the energetic and emotional connections with endometriosis and polycystic ovaries, they often do come from like this, this disconnection from the feminine, which can be a massive result of sexual abuse as well. So, you know, I was told I'd never have kids, um, especially not naturally because of how severe the form of endometriosis and polycystic ovaries that I had was. So when I fell pregnant at 20, I had this understanding in myself at the time that if I didn't have this baby, then I would never be able Mm. to have, or I may never be able to have another baby. So I wasn't ready. I literally just sold all of my stuff. I had decided to leave my drug addict boyfriend and fly home to New Zealand and start a new life. And I found out I was pregnant with his child. So at the time my parents weren't living here in Australia either. They had already gone home. So I was by myself in this country, no financial support whatsoever, wasn't eligible for government assistance. My boyfriend was a drug addict and his mum, who was a great support, had just been diagnosed with terminal cancer. So I was watching her die and helping her and he was kind of just disappearing all the time and we were living in her in her house because that was all we had and it was tough. It was really, really tough. And then when he was born, he was a tough baby too because babies really do absorb the stress that you're under. So like with yes. pregnancy and things like that, it's so important to stay relaxed and, and you know participate in things like meditation and yoga and, and anything that you can do to keep yourself calm because if you don't you will end up with this crazy baby that never ever stops crying and never ever stops um, never wants to sleep I was lucky that when my son was born my parents moved back to Australia and helped me and I'm so blessed that I had that but I was still working like three jobs to try and keep myself out on on my own to like look after this child because my parents relationship with me is good but when we live together we often can't live together because there's still some of those dependencies on alcohol which doesn't doesn't yeah it it wasn't the environment that I wanted my um my little boy to be in so um yeah so I did that and then I met my my daughter's dad and he was like this savior to me I was like he only ever wants to be a dad he was so in love with my son and I was like this is the right choice he seems so grounded and not abusive or anything like that and we very quickly fell pregnant with my daughter like within six months of dating we weren't even living together um so you know this this you're not fertile thing it doesn't exist (laughs) I'm the most fertile person on the planet I think um (laughs) yeah so it just goes to show that don't always take doctor's opinions to as a gospel because there's there's still hope there but yeah we fell pregnant very very quickly and I think at the time I was so young and I just wanted to 
brother or sister and try and, you know, fill that void of that family that I never really feel like I had. And I felt like my kid wasn't going to have. So it was just this jumping into whatever I could clutch to at the time. And, um, you know, I I would never say it's a mistake because everything that we go through, even if it wasn't the wisest choice, it leads us to exactly where we need to be. And so, yeah, so we were together for about four years. We got married during that time, but he was a different kind of abusive. He was emotionally manipulative. Like I was never enough, you know, it was always you're broken, you're broken, you're broken. You need to change this. You need to fix that. And I believed him because I thought he, you know, the sun shined out of his Mm -hmm. bottom. So (laughs) I, I was always trying to be this version that he wanted me to be. And that was what eventually led me to burnout because I was still working and studying and you know, running a business and looking after kids and, you know, trying to be all the things that he needed me to be and, you know, so that he could work less, so that he only had to work three days a week while I worked like six days a week. And because I wanted to be the, you know, the perfect wife, you know, Um, and that comes from people pleasing always comes from a place of, of uh, needing to be loved and the fear of not being loved. And so I was definitely living from that space when I had this big burnout, this big breakdown I suppose but what a wonderful life to live for the life for the for the life that I now choose to lead because as you said I you know a lot of these things happened by the time I was you know 26 I was really young and I feel like you know I've been married I've had two kids I've been divorced (laughs) all these like traumatic experiences and, and I really like the fact that I can talk to pretty much anyone about anything and have some level of relatability to them because in my line of work that's really important to be able to empathize from a place of I I kind of understand where you might be at the moment or how you might be feeling so it's a blessing to me and at the time it definitely didn't feel like a blessing at the time it felt horrendous but when you move on from things and you forgive and you heal and you let go and you do the inner work you do the self-work then you come out the other side of that and you see it as like this marathon of this achievements, you know, it, it, they are blessings. Truly our curses can be such a blessing. And that's not to say that I'm open for, you know, more of that to come into my life. I've made it very clear with the universe that I've done my lessons and I have. <laughs> and um, yeah. And, and I think that showing up and being transparent about those things and social media is really important because as you said, you know, when people see, me from the outside they might think that you know I have everything perfect and you know in in my opinion I think I have such a wonderful life because because of where I've come from but at the same time it's still not perfect you know like my son's got massive you know special Mm -hmm. needs like really you know it's hard to even keep him in school so like we deal with that now every single day but in comparison to where you know I've come from it's like (laughs) it's I just get to live in gratitude every day and I think that's a big piece if you've been through a lot or if you're going through a lot just try to live in gratitude for what's not going wrong because you can definitely be in worse situations and I think that's a major mindset piece. And what do you think broke the pattern? So you're with this amazing partner now. So I can see everything you've said up to this point, I feel like you just kept attracting of more of what you knew, like the abuse, the emotional, the the uh, substance abuse, all that kept coming back into your life. And obviously you're with this amazing man now. Is there one or two things that broke the pattern that you can see yeah. or was it over time? It was definitely an t- accumulation of things, but I love the saying we repeat what we don't heal. 
So I was repeating these situations until I, you know, got to a point where I was willing to work on those things. And so obviously kinesiology played a massive role in that, but also my own decision made a massive role in that. Sometimes we place too much emphasis on things that happen without, you know, outside of ourselves as somebody else having the answers, somebody else being able to fix things for us. And a lot of the time it is a massive decision that you just need to make within yourself as to what you will and won't accept Mm -hmm. and how you do and don't want to live. I remember you know, when I left my ex-husband, I went to the beach and I got a, a stick from the beach and I drew, I literally drew a line in the sand. And I said, this is, this is the life I have been living. And this is the way people have been treating me. And this is what I've accepted into my life because we play a massive part in everything that happens to us. And I know that's a hard pill to swallow, but I feel like I'm entitled enough to say that because of yes. what I've lived. We attract a lot of that in for ourselves and whether we do it within our lifetime or whether we've done it before we even entered this lifetime, you know, we wanted those lessons on some level to teach us something. And so when I drew this line in the sand, it was like this metaphorical way of me saying to the universe, okay, this is what I have been accepting up until this point to teach me the things that I now know. And as I cross this line in the sand, I now no longer invite those things into my life I am detaching from the need to please other people I am detaching from the need to fix other people to save other people to feel loved because of a version of myself that I think they want me to be and now I cross this line in the sand and I I I let go of control and I will just invite people who see me as I am and who want to have me in their lives and if they don't then that's fine and I think that was the biggest changing point and I know when I met Julian my current partner you know, that old voice in my head said, you don't deserve him. He's perfect. <laughs> What's he going to want with a woman with as much baggage as you do? And I had to tell that, that, you know, that voice in my head, the mind, the mind that is not us. We are not our thoughts. We are the space between our thoughts. I had to tell my mind to take a back seat to that and to just really open to what I want, not necessarily what I think I deserve. Mm-hmm. and as I did that I let go of expectations and I just enjoyed the ride and I guess that's what I try what I come back to every day is let go of expectations and just surrender and, and enjoy the ride enjoy the moment and now you're engaged it's now we're exciting. engaged oh, yeah. and now it's just a matter of letting go of control over whether or not we can have our wedding you know <laughs> at least if we get locked down for the next 12 months you'll be an expert you know you won't yeah. Totally. Not anymore because you're in a different space. Well, I, I did say to him this morning, I'm like, if it's just you and me on our wedding day and we have to just get married at, you know, wherever, then it's not the worst thing in the world. Because it is for me because I'm day, a bridesmaid, Emily. Okay. <laughs> at the end of the day, the most important thing is to, you know, is to cement that union. And, and yeah. um, the first time around wasn't real. It didn't feel real to me. So this definitely feels like whatever will be will be but it will be perfect oh you're bloody amazing just so you know and when you listen you you probably don't realize but when you listen back to this hopefully you'll hear what I hear and what all the other listeners hear like one I can't I'm gonna swear but one freaking amazing (laughs) inspirational powerhouse that yeah, I don't think have people have any idea. Even a lot of people that think they know you quite well will be shocked at that, what you've been through to get where you are now. And it just is uh, is amazing, like complete inspiration. So thank you so much for sharing all that. It's just, it 
blows my mind, as I said, every time I hear it and it makes me realize why I love you so much, you know? Yeah. Just, I had goosebumps through most of that, which, yeah, I know we have a massive connection, but yeah, your story is just truly amazing. And I can't wait for your book to come out. Um, I'll be one of the first buyers. So yeah, it's, it's exciting. Um, so, uh, before we finish up, I've got three questions for you, but before I forget, and I don't want to forget this because I want to ask, I know people are going to be inspired by your story. If people want to be get in contact with you or follow you or work with you, how can they do that before I forget? Otherwise it might get lost. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, just, just also to add to that, um, as a little bit of a, I probably should have done that before I launched into my story that it can be a bit triggering for some people who have experienced similar Mm -hmm. Um, situations or they're in similar situations and you know I just encourage you that if anything that um, I've talked about today has triggered you or made you feel um, any kind of emotions that you're worried about um, definitely reach out to you know your support networks around you or or drop Michelle or I a, a, mm. a bit of a, a message and, and we'll help to sort of soundboard that with you but um, yes if you would like to contact me you can find me um, you can google me <laughs> Apparently, I've got a good Google presence. Emily Shine, it's Emily Shine. <laughs> yeah, so uh, emilyshine.com is my website, which has all of my contact information, phone number, Instagram, Facebook, all of that sort of stuff. But you can find me on Facebook at emilyshine1111. And um, I think that Instagram is just emilyshine11. I confuse myself with that. But <laughs> put some 11s in there, you'll find her. If just not, track it down through me. Yeah, no, right. We work a lot together, Emily and I, and um, you'll see if you follow my Facebook or my socials, you'll see a lot of Emily on there. We've just got our new cacao business together as well. So we're um, selling heart-to-heart cacao. So, yeah, it's all happening. It's very exciting. Yes, absolutely. If but you yes. haven't already got onto the cacao, definitely check out mm. heart-to-heart cacao. That's a, that's a big, you know, um, a big project close to Michelle and I's heart. And, um, you know, the reason why we called it heart to heart cacao is because we wanted to share that heart opening medicine from Mm. our hearts to, to your heart. So Mm. it's, it's special. It's, it's very special stuff. It's beautiful. All right. So before we leave, you don't get off that easily. I've got three very deep questions. Uh, Emily ensures me she doesn't even know what they are. So I'm just going to hit her up. Um, these are the Oprah Winfrey questions that she asks on her Super Soul Sundays, which I just am obsessed with her. So I thought I oh, will just copy Oprah Winfrey and ask the same question. So my first question to you is, what is the soul? Oof, that is a deep question, <laughs> I Oprah. told you that were deep. <laughs> what is the soul? The soul is our essence. It's the energy that resides within us. It is not our physical environment it is not our physical body it is um our truth it is the energy that yeah it it exists within us and it it also is the energy that exists i believe in um in source energy whichever whatever you kind of identify source energy as whether it is a deity of some description or whether it's just the universe or mother nature um i believe that that is also a part of our soul Mm, i agree and so then what happens after you die so my belief on this, which is just my belief, because we, we don't know, none of us really know. <laughs> my belief on this is uh, that I believe in reincarnation. I believe in past lives. I believe that we come back over and over and over again. Um, I also believe that we have soul pods. So pods of souls that kind of travel together. And so therefore you'll reincarnate with people 
um, that feel very familiar to you because you've probably shared lifetimes or done work with them in, in the past and a lot of friendships that kind of, you know, blossom where you just kind of have that instant connection, much the same as Michelle, you and I, um, it's because we've probably traveled together at some point through another lifetime and there's a sense of familiarity in that. So I believe we kind of go over to the other side and if there is, um, you know, people on in the physical realm that still need our assistance or there is a reason why we haven't yet moved on that we can kind of hang around and that's why we can get, you know, um, ghosts or, or spirits kind of present with us because, um, you know, they, they might be sticking around for a certain reason, but I also believe that time on the other side is a lot faster than time here. So what feels like an eternity for us is actually just a blip in the matrix to them. So if you do have, you know, family, loved ones hanging around, don't feel sad that they're kind of, you know, wasting their time. It, it's, it's not that, I don't think that it's that case. Um, yeah, so I think we kind of go over to the other side and, and, and finish up any unfinished business or assist wherever we can. And then we kind of move on to this next kind of phase where it's either we go up and move into a source energy and work as a helper, or, you know, we may have finished our, our lessons that we needed to learn for ourselves through the human realm and we, we work from a place of source energy. Um, or we reincarnate into another body and we learn some more lessons. And I think that some people have been doing this for a really, 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 really long time. And I think there are people here who have perhaps just started their journeys. And that's why we have old souls and new souls and, and um, things like that. So I believe that's what happens after we die. But as I said, it's definitely just my belief and no, no one really knows. No one does. And that's what no. I love. See, we don't ever have control, even up to the end. We got no idea what's no. going to go on. <laughs> no, no. And the last question is, what do you know for sure? What do I know for sure? Oh, I don't think that I know anything for sure. Um, I think that that's, that's the most interesting thing about life is that there is always so much to be said in the questioning of things. And I think I believed I knew a lot of things for sure for, for a while. And, um, you know, that can sometimes create a sense of egotism within us because we are so sure about our belief systems and we are so sure about, you know, this, that, and all the rest of it, that we can become closed off to the perspective of everything changing in a minute. So I don't know that I know anything for sure. Um, and I'm just trying to think, is it that, you know, I know that I'm physical because no, I don't know for sure that I am physical. No, that's yeah. I, my answer to that is nothing. I absolutely oh, that's a good answer. nothing for sure. I yeah. haven't heard that one before, but that's probably the most accurate one out of the lot. So, because we don't, we don't, we, we don't, even, we, we don't, don't know anything know. for sure. No, no, I think it's really humbling to actually be okay with that as well, because yeah. it does give you the ability to, you know, listen and learn. And um, that's something that I have struggled with in the past, like, you know, being the, being the passive person, being the listener, being the learner. Sometimes I'm just so used to being the leader, the teacher, that I can be a little, I used to be a little shut off to learning other perspectives. And that's such a shame because that's how we don't absorb um, the information mm. that we need to absorb. So, yeah, it's definitely some, this is another testament as to how we always self-improve. Yes, <laughs> so always, interesting how always, we're always, always evolving. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That was amazing. I knew it was going to be good, but that was even better than I expected. Oh, so I think because we have you. such a good connection, it's, it's just easy 
easy conversation so it was really, it felt very easy felt very yeah. natural talking to you michelle yes <laughs> like we that. could have talked all day we could have made a very very long podcast we might, <laughs> I, I was just thinking i was thinking halfway through it, we might have to get you back might have yeah. to get you back for round two and we can delve into something else so if you yeah. are listening to this and you want to hear a bit more of emily shine make sure you let me know and um also when you're listening to these podcasts if you are loving them i would absolutely love if you can share it with your family and friends and if there's a particular guest speaker that you actually really feel aligned with or you feel inspired by then get in contact and tell them because there's nothing better than hearing from someone that's listened to you um, and then come to you and said wow that was amazing and you've really helped me by doing this this and this I've already had a couple of people message me since even my story when I put it out saying wow I had no idea and that's just changed my life and it really means something to the people that are being interviewed so yeah if you loved what Emily did be in contact and um, yeah she's very approachable very lovable and um, we're all part of the the soul tribe anyway so yeah, yeah so thank you so much and um i'll see you for round two in the near future i'm looking forward to it <laughs> if you have enjoyed this podcast then i would like to personally invite you to my next workshop the six steps to soul success in this four-hour workshop i dig deep into self-love finding your true passion and your purpose and teach you how every single one of you is destined for great things. You just need to trust the universe. These workshops are run online and face-to-face, so head on over to my website, www.thosetwosisters.com and register for your free ticket now.